In Reader's Digest a number of years ago, an adult child shared a story about her middle-aged mother who made an announcement to her children regarding her upcoming birthday. She said, this is it. No more birthdays after this. I'm not celebrating anymore. I don't want to hear about birthdays anymore. I don't want you counting. I don't want to keep track. Is that understood? Her children were not excited about that, but as this is what their mother wanted, they consented. And the day of her birthday came, and the doorbell rang, and she answered it. And there was a florist holding a beautiful bouquet of flowers. The bouquet was gorgeous, but the florist was very mournful and long-faced. She showed him into the living room where he put the flowers on the mantle, and then he turned in an unusually pastoral manner, patted her on the shoulder and said, I'm thinking of you today. Sadly nodding his head, he walked out, and she wondered what that was all about. The situation dawned on her when she read the card in the envelope on the bouquet. It was from her children, and it read, Mom, wishing you a great day on this, your last birthday. <laughs> Joyous. Okay, takes a while sometimes. <laughs> Joyous events become occasions for sorrow, unfortunately, sometimes. And can sorrowful events become occasions for joy? A new thing is happening in the world as we celebrate it today. It is Backwards Day. Given by a new prophet on a new mountaintop, the Beatitudes reverse the old facts and rules of a society governed by existence under the judgment of law. How happy are the poor? That's what that first beatitude means. How lucky are the hungry? How blessed are those who mourn the dead that they've just now been burying? Yeah, right, we want to say. Today is a holiday that makes birthdays out of death days in God's great reversal of the order of things, standing things on their head. God has a habit of appearing on mountains in the Bible. Moses on Sinai, Elijah challenging the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel, the three disciples with Jesus at the Transfiguration, the whole crew, when Jesus commissions them at the end of Matthew's Gospel, chapter 28. But God's power does not work best on a mountaintop. It works best in a graveyard. A graveyard. The very image in the wake of Halloween raises goosebumps. Children love to be scared every so often. Hence the popularity of R.L. Stein's Goosebump books. For parents, the horror monger of choice still is Stephen King, as Edgar Allan Poe was for an earlier generation. 
Children love graveyards and specters and goosebumps, and yet if you are like most parents, you went with them to protect and watch and stand guard against the possibility of real Halloween horrorists last Tuesday, the kind that make Megan's List or you see on Criminal Minds. The one place, I'm guessing, the one place you did not take your kids on Tuesday was a graveyard. In the past, if you wanted to visit a graveyard, and people did much more often, not because death was any more common in those days, the ratio of those who die is still 100%, but because in an era of stronger faith, we were more comfortable with it. In the past, if you wanted to visit a graveyard, you wouldn't go to Forest Lawn or Rose Hills. Instead, you would go to church. The graveyards of the past were planted around the church, creating a community of, old words in the creed, the quick and the dead. The quick were inside the church, the dead were outside. But you knew they were together. For the believer, it was important to be buried within the borders of sanctified ground from which rose both the church building, the center of the living saints' lives, and the communal cemetery, the final resting place for all past generations of saints who had lived and died in the community as believers. It has been three or four generations at least now that most of us have found nothing very comforting or sanctified in a graveyard. Graveyards are no longer seen as particularly holy ground. We have been imprinted by too many cheap, creepy, mist-in-the-graveyard horror flicks to see cemeteries as anything but haunted and horrible. The same, unfortunately, happened for organs, too. You ask many young people what do they think of when they hear organ music, they say spooky. By moving our burial grounds away from our worship centers, we fractured the fellowship of the faithful. We forget that the majority of the church is underground, and that, in a sense, graveyards and cemeteries are the repositories of faith. Why is it that we so quickly whisk the dead away to be fenced in, or is it fenced off in green ghettos? Is it a way to safely ignore the reality of death? Is it our plot to keep those creepy dead folks out of our line of sight, or most especially out from underfoot. The old church graveyard, on the other hand, was a consistently in-your-face place. In death as in life, these church graveyards offered a real down-and-dirty answer to the question of a person's ultimate loyalty. One final response to the question, to whom do you belong? The common ground of the burial ground overruled allegiances to families, tribes, clubs, or cliques. To whom do you belong? You belong to God. 
you don't belong to your parents only. You certainly don't belong to yourself. You belong to God and next to those in the communion of saints. Churchyards are a sign of to whom it is you belong and a reminder of why and for what reason. They are a reminder that there is no resurrection without death. They are a reminder that we are mortal because of who we are and what we have been. In sin did my mother conceive me, and that the soul that sins, it shall surely die. They are a reminder of the power of God to raise the dead, the very thing that is our hope in Christ. They are a reminder that it is God's will that those who trust him, who find life in him, would not have that life ripped away by death, but instead that it would last forever. For it is from a graveyard in Jerusalem that the power of God first shone forth in the resurrection of Jesus, the light to enlighten all the world. But graveyards are not where we want to start. We hate death, and for good reason. It always reminds us of who we are, weak, sinful, mortal. We would rather have eternal life without the grave first, thank you. And since that's unlikely to happen, if we're going to talk about the subject at all, we'd rather begin with the vision of heaven, the first lesson. But the graveyard is where the real power is, for it is there that resurrection begins, and it begins in the here and the now, in the lives of those who are changed by the same power of God that raised Christ from the dead. In other words, the saints. Pamela DeRoy shares a lesson she taught her little daughter, Lisa. When Lisa was just two, a couple of ladies on the street stopped her to compliment her on her beauty. Pamela was concerned when Lisa accepted the compliment with a blasé, yes, I know. Once they arrived home, Pamela sat Lisa down for a little talk about the difference between inner and outer beauty. She explained the importance of taking care of those in need, being kind to others, even sharing one's toys, not always easy for a two-year-old. She stressed that inner beauty was a more valuable quality than outer appearance. Lisa seemed to understand, so Pamela didn't bring it up again. Two years passed, and little Lisa joined a local preschool program. One day, Lisa invited over a friend named Gina, and when Pamela came to pick Lisa and Gina up from school, Gina asked if she could go see her mommy. Pamela naturally assumed that Gina was referring to her stepmother since her mother had died. But when Pamela followed Gina's directions, she drove straight to the local cemetery where Gina's mother was buried. Pamela was thrown for a loop. 
You wonder, you know, what do you do? She wondered inwardly about the appropriate way to handle the situation. This is not the kind of thing that we think about beforehand. She and Gina and Lisa wandered over to Gina's mother's grave and sat down. And Gina began talking about her mother and crying. Little Lisa wrapped an arm around her friend and began crying too. All the sympathy her little two-year-old heart could muster was expressed in the repeated assurance, oh Gina, I'm sorry, I'm sorry your mommy died. God's power is indeed active in graveyards. To those who love like their Lord, all the dead are our dead, a part of us. For in Christ's blood runs deep and the family is big. As Gina continued talking and crying, Pamela realized why she had needed to go there. Gina expressed that she loved her mother very much, but she also enjoyed her new stepmother. And she was worried that she might start loving her in the same way too. Pamela was able to reassure the child that love can't be used up, that love grows and grows to include all the people in our lives. God, of course, is the model for us here in his love. And this seemed to comfort the child. And soon the three returned to Pamela's house to spend a happy afternoon. Later that day, Pamela expressed to Lisa how proud she was of her little girl's compassion toward her friend. And Lisa looked up and in a sober tone of voice, you probably guessed this, asked her mother, Mommy, was I beautiful on the inside? God uses the dead to teach the living. The graveyard is where the real power is for it is there that resurrection begins. And the way there is marked and signed for us by those whose birthdays, last birthdays, we celebrate today. Saints like those from our own midst are marks of the power of God to speak the creative word, live to us in the silent darkness of the grave because that's exactly what his son did and promised to those who believe in him and live from him. Saints speak of faith. They speak of hope. They speak of love. Saints are signs to us of how God's creative, redemptive power has already been active in the lives of real people that we know in order to change things. John writes in the epistle lesson, Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. True enough, but in our dead saints, we have a hint. We see God's power at work. We have made clearer for us the knowledge that when Jesus appears, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is. Amen.
And may the peace of God, which passes understanding, keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus to life everlasting.